Welcome to the Nourished Mama podcast. I am your host, Madison Anderson, a women's health coach, mom, and wife. This podcast is dedicated to educating and supporting you to live in your fullest potential as a woman and a mother. We will be providing you with endless resources and guest speakers so you can go from feeling lost and overwhelmed to feeling confident in your motherhood journey. It's time to feel connected, energized, clear, and confident in your journey as a mom or mom-to-be. I couldn't be more excited to have you here. Now let's uncover your confidence and step into your power so you can live your best life. So why don't you do like the intro, tell us who you are and like why you got into um, being a self-care strategist. Perfect. So um, before I moved into the coaching space, I worked as a clinical therapist for about nine years and I loved working in therapy, but I also felt like there was something missing in terms of taking a holistic approach to helping people. We just didn't spend a lot of time talking about lifestyle factors and how that impacted people's physical and mental wellness, like what they ate, how they moved, sleep, things like that. Um, And around that time, I started working with a nutrition coach, and I noticed that when I took care of myself different physically, it impacted my mental health and vice versa. So I just grew really passionate about taking more of a holistic approach to mental and physical wellness. Um, So I got certified as a nutrition coach, certified as a pre and postnatal coach, and started really focusing mostly in the nutrition coaching space, which I also loved. But again, I started to feel like it wasn't really that holistic approach that I wanted to take. We were just kind of deep diving into nutrition. And if we want to feel our best and look our best, it's more complicated than that. And as you know, like so rarely with clients, was it about the food? It was about like the stories we were telling ourselves about the food or if we deserve to take care of ourselves or asking for help so that we could follow a plan or meet our own needs. And so I kept feeling like there was some sort of a bigger approach that I knew I needed to take. And then I became a mom and I started to realize as a mom, like if I don't take care of myself, nobody is going to take care of me for me. And that it really had to be a mind body approach. It wasn't It was the food that I ate and the way that I moved and my self-talk and my ability to ask for help and my ability to redefine what life could look like. So I wasn't just dragging through motherhood and I was like really in a place where I was thriving and enjoying it and not feeling like I was running on empty all the time. So yeah, I took my background and merged it all to take that holistic approach and help moms figure out how to show up for themselves too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think that we think that before we have kids that, you know, we're not going to be like that, or we're going to take care of ourselves and things are going to be great. But then you get into it and you're like, holy crap, <laughs> this is not what I expected. And it's a lot harder. And then, and then mom guilt comes and you're like, wait, <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like things that you would have never felt guilty for, you feel guilty for now. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a conversation with a friend who lives in Denmark and she had seen some of my stories on Instagram that I was posting about mom guilt. And she's like, you know, it's so funny because we don't really like mom guilt's not a thing here. Like if you need something, you do it and you ask for it and your partner supports you and there's nothing to feel guilty about. Like you're a human being too. You also get to meet your own needs. I thought that that was so important because I really do feel like it's like this cultural contagion here. Like it just spreads like across North America. And I think it's just created from these made up standards that we have, that society has. And, you know, if you're in a group with moms, you hear one mom talking about how she feels so guilty for putting her eight kids in school or for going away for a weekend or having a date night in like normal life. And it plants that seed of like, oh, is that selfish for me to be doing that? Should I feel guilty too? And it just cycles over and over and over again until we become like almost, it's almost like debilitating for us to just want to take care of ourselves because the guilt wins every time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and to obviously like our past conditioning and whatever, like we have learned that this is how we should feel. 
but in Denmark, clearly, <laughs> they're doing things different, which, yeah. And, like, the, it, it can start with us changing that for our kids, right? Like, I said today, I'm like, you probably feel like you don't need, you know, a self-care talk where, like, you don't feel like that's something that you need to implement into your life because everything's fine. But no, if you're thinking that, then you probably need it. <laughs> like, because it can be as simple as like taking a shower, like even though that doesn't seem like it's like a huge self-care thing, it's like the smallest thing that maybe you can do for yourself that will make you feel better. But, and, and then on the other hand, you get the people who are like, well, like why should you feel like that's something that's like along the self-care, it's just something, it's an essential, you know, having a shower is essential kind of thing. Like, what do you say to that? <laughs> There's so much we can unpack there. The first one is if showering so essential, then I feel like moms wouldn't have such a hard time doing it. Yeah, right. totally. Me who was like, I haven't showered in six days. And when I do shower, I'm like stripping off my clothes and like shampooing my hair. And is that a baby crying? And like, how fast can I go to get out? So I think that if we were really of the belief, like, well, showering shouldn't be self-care, that's something that I have to do or that I already do, then it wouldn't be so hard for us to do. And I, yeah. I think that the first step is really redefining what self-care is. If we think yeah. that this luxury, extravagant, like weekend away with the girls to a spa, then sure, it doesn't feel like it's a necessity. But to me, the spa days and the manicure pedicures and the girls' nights are great and they're important, but yeah. they just fall into like one category of self-care and they're really, in a lot of ways, self-comfort more than their self-care. When we're looking at self-care, we're looking at things that improve how you, you feel mentally and physically. They're things right. that help you function better in your life and thrive differently in your life. Um, and I think that when we're able to redefine self-care and start defining it as a non-negotiable and something essential in your life, um, you open yourself up to doing things differently and starting where you are. And if that means that starting where you are is, if I do nothing else for myself today, I can brush my teeth and take a shower, then we have intention every time you go to brush your teeth and take a shower that you are doing that for you that that is five or 10 minutes for you. And then we get to celebrate a win because of that and an accomplishment of, because of that. We get to ask for help to make that happen. We get to say like, no, I'm gonna go take a shower right now because I need to do this. Everything spirals off of that. And now what once was this like hurried shower, fearful of like phantom cries and go, go, go as fast as you can, those same 10 minutes are now you opening a new bottle of shampoo and enjoying it and like feeling the hot water and taking a couple of deep breaths and having 10 minutes that slows down just for you. So yeah. it's not always just the act. It's also the mindset of allowing it to be something that fills your cup versus just another to do. Yeah. Like just another check off, you know, of your list kind of thing. Well, yeah. Like when, and when you, when you say it that way, when you kind of spin it, then it's like, oh yeah, like you could totally do that. And, and you'd probably feel so good. Cause really how good do you feel after you do have a shower? <laughs> Pretty great. But if you're yes. like, if it's like rushing, like do shampoo your hair and then rush out, it's not very fun. Like you're just like frantic the whole time. You haven't relaxed. You haven't. So then you don't think of it as like self-care when you think of it that way. Yeah. yeah. That's great. I think, and just because I get all the time, like, so what, like, as a mom, I guess I'm supposed to just lower my standards on what self-care is. And my response to that is, it's not about lowering our standards. It's about recognizing where we are now. Like, when I didn't have kids, taking a shower for myself was a no-brainer. It was easy. There was nothing in that way. That doesn't mean that I can't build back up to the self-care strategies that I was doing before children. It just means like, it's almost like climbing a ladder. I might just have to start a couple rungs lower now than where I was before. And that doesn't mean my standards are lower. That means that life looks really different right now. And I have to meet myself where I'm at and then continue to build from there. Um, I also appreciate like a quiet shower way more than I ever did before kids too. So we might have to start smaller but the impact of it might be a lot bigger because yeah. if we're present with it, we can appreciate it more. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So like, what would you, um, obviously self-care doesn't to you means like something totally different than what it means to, you know, what people actually think it is. Like, is there a way to explain how you think self-care is? Like, okay. So what would you say it would be? (laughs) I mean, kind of the broad idea is, well, and I'm a believer that like every act can be an act of self-care if we have the mindset of how can I do this in a way that better serves me, which is like right. a very therapisty answer. So I know that, but I yeah. more say it to be like, we can get creative. There don't have to be any rules on what self-care can look like for you. With that okay. said, I am always going through it with the lens of does this improve your physical and mental wellness? Um, and with my clients, we when we're looking to build a toolbox full of tools, like self-care strategies, we're trying to hit strategies that fall into six different categories of self-care. So for me, there's physical self-care, which is a lot of what we talked about at the beginning with like food, sleep, movement, rest, not just sleep, but rest, um, hydration, and like a lot of those basic hygiene habits, brushing your teeth, washing your face, all of that. There's psychological self-care, which is the way we think, changing our stories and our self-talk and our confidence, as well as like how our brains work. Can we learn new things, try new things? There's emotional self-care. Can we honor and express and feel our feelings? Um, Can we do things, strategies that help us change our feelings in a way that works for us, makes us feel happy, sad, processes, emotions, whatever. There's functional self-care. How do we operate day to day and how do we make that as efficient and productive and organized as possible? And how can we feel in control of our life? Social self-care, interpersonal relationships, romantic relationships, kids, connecting with others. Um, And they're seeking joy, which is like the things that are just for you, that you feel are fun, that help you feel connected to your authentic self. So like who you are outside of motherhood because motherhood is a role not an identity so these are things Mm -hmm. just for you um and for a lot of people like those spa days and the manicure pedicures that can fall into one of the categories right that might be seeking joy if you go do it with a girlfriend that might be social self-care um if it's like the one thing that really cheers you up it could be emotional self-care so we have these strategies that can fit into different boxes or maybe fit into several boxes at the same time, but it's almost like we're filling a closet up with all of these amazing clothes. And so that way each day you can go in and you can try one on and, and pull on whatever feels best for you and helps right. you not day. But they can be of a variety of like time and effort. Everyone thinks like I have to have so much time to do self care. Yeah. One of my go-tos is like, I'm going to take my vitamins. It takes me 10 seconds. Like these don't have to be things that take a lot out of you. They're just things that you are intentionally doing because it helps you look and feel your best. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That like, I never really think, I never thought of it that way, you know, with all like the different categories. So I always just think like the one like the face masks and like taking time, like 10 minutes to just be with yourself kind of thing. Um, am I breaking up? Not for me. Okay. Okay. Perfect. I just thought maybe for a second I, w- I was, I was a little scared. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I think that that, like, I think that kind of paints a good picture for people on what really self-care can look like. Um, yeah. If you're like me and just thought it was kind of, you know, face masks and stuff (laughs) so because if somebody thinks it's just like going for a manicure pedicure but they're stressed because money is tight and they don't want to go out right now with covid and those are the things like draining their cup and i'm like you know what just go get it spend fifty dollars on a manicure pedicure out in public that's not that's going to do nothing but make you feel worse So I think it is important that we talk about self-care looking different because I think a lot of moms have like been prescribed very cliche self-care. And like for me, I don't get that much enjoyment out of going to get a manicure pet. It's fine. It just doesn't do anything for me. So they do it, have these expectations. They should feel great. And then they don't. They just feel more guilty for spending more money and time away. And then they come back feeling worse than they left. Yeah. So like basically what you're saying is every mom, every woman has a different way of, 
um, finding self-care for herself. So my self-care might not be the same as yours and yours might not be the same as somebody else's. Um, yeah. And I think that's where people get kind of hung up on what self-care should look like. Cause they think that it is just like one size fits all mm-hmm. and it's not like, right. I like going for a manicure pedicure. Yeah. <laughs> that would fill my cup up, <laughs> but I haven't been like, able to go. <laughs> yeah. So for people who want to get into like more self-care and like find what works for them, like how would they get started? Yeah. How would they know what they need for self-care? I think that the best thing is we always start where you are, right? Like with any change that you're making, if you're wanting to change up your nutrition or your exercise or self-care, we're not going to go from, well, if you've got like a great coach, you're not going to go from like eating fast food seven times a week to like only eating quote unquote clean foods and like never enjoying balance, right? Like that's just not going to work for you. If you're never, ever exercising, you're not like going to the CrossFit games next week. We're starting where you are and we're starting with slow, sustainable habits. So I find with a lot of people, if we can do an audit of like, what does your day look like? And what are you doing for you right now? Is anything that you're doing feeling like self-care? Can we take something you're already doing, like brushing your teeth and start registering in our mind? Like, I'm going to do this for me. I'm already brushing my teeth. It takes me no more time or effort, but I'm going to take a moment and say to myself, like, I'm going to do this for me right now. Um, And can we start to make those things more automatic? Can we look at the certain areas of your life where you feel a little bit more out of control and more drained? Like, let's say physical self-care. We don't have to start with diets. Can we just make sure that you're eating and that you're eating meals at a table and not like your kids' cold leftover waffles while you stand over the kitchen counter cleaning up? You know, can we take what you're already doing and tweak it in a way that better serves you and helps you feel a little bit more present and in a little bit more control of your life? And sometimes that can be individualized, right? And that's when it's nice having a coach because we can walk through it together. But these are things that everybody can do on their own to just kind of audit current habits and ask yourself, like, is this really working for me? And is this something that I can tweak to work better? Um, While also like noting those six categories I listed and just kind of doing a checkbox of what would feel really um, like, restorative for me in each of the categories that I could add on. Like I would love right. to read a book, psychological self-care. Can I figure out a way to just grab the book first step? Can I, instead of 20 minutes scrolling my phone, can I spend 10 minutes scrolling my phone and 10 minutes reading? Like we just start where you are and identify where you want to be and slowly start incorporating that in. Okay. So do you pick one from each category or do you just kind of find like one that like best suits you right now where you're at? Yeah, I think that a lot of it sometimes depends on what do you feel like you're struggling with the most, right? Okay. Is it, do you feel really out of control with your body? And do you have all of these goals around achieving physical accomplishments? For most of my clients, it's like, I just feel so out of control with my day. And especially right now, like virtual learning and kids at home, like I have no time for me. I do tend to find find like that functional self-care piece, getting control back of our days seems to be a really good starting spot because once we feel in control of our day, it feels easier to add in any form of self-care. So that's why a lot of times I recommend kind of like the audit of your day and your time. Um, And what I recommend as a starting spot is let's create a baseline, a self-care baseline. Let's just pick three to five things that you can do every day just for you. Um, They don't take a lot of effort. They take intention, but not a lot of effort. Um, But that they don't feel like hard or overwhelming or doesn't feel like a failure, like a lot of pressure to get it done, right? So a lot of my clients for myself, like my self-care baseline activities are brushing my teeth, washing my face, taking my vitamins, drinking my water, getting at least 5,000 steps a day. Those are things that I know that I can do every day for me with little effort, but I always have that win to celebrate. Like even if the day yeah. goes all in a handbasket, I can be like, well, I got my steps in and I brushed my teeth. So it's important that we always start by having those wins. And then we also know our starting spot so that we can build from there. 
Right, right. So you're doing those things every day, like even if they're as simple as taking your vitamins, like you're doing those every day because you know that that's something that you can do. And like, so then those small wins will set you up like over time to just keep building and adding and like, you know, the big picture of self-care. <laughs> so much like what we learn with creating healthy habits, right? It's just one yeah. Of action leads to more action. If we start our day right, um, and I do talk a lot with clients about morning routine, evening routine, creating buffers throughout the day. If we start our day right with one single choice, we're more likely to make better choices throughout the day. Um, but also, you know, when we talk a lot about motivation and like getting motivated to take action, reach goals, do things for ourselves, motivation doesn't just come, it comes as a result of taking action and feeling accomplished. So if we yeah. can start building in opportunities for you to take action that feel totally doable and feel accomplished while creating this like foundation that you can always fall back on and as a safety net, now we can just help you build from that faster. Right, right. So but like, what about the people who they want to start self-care, but they don't have any support? around them like you know if they don't have family in town or their husband's away all the time like what can they do because they might not be alone <laughs> ever right. so how can they start like other than just like the small little things that we talked about like what can they do to maybe fill their cup up even more right it's so difficult and I really I mean I there was a period of time that my husband traveled like 40 to 50% of the year while I had kids and we were in an area where we didn't have family and it was just that much harder as if yeah. it wasn't like hard enough. It's just that much harder. So I think the first thing is to normalize that this is already difficult. And if you're in a circumstance like that, it is okay that it feels that much harder. It is okay. If the best that you can do for self-care is like brush your teeth and wash your face and not lose your mind at your children that day. Yeah. That's all self-care. But then we can also start identifying what does feel doable for you. Are you in a position where you could get a babysitter for a little bit and or ask for help from a friend so that you can get a little bit more time? And it's okay if the answer to these questions are no, but I think it's helpful to throw them out to get the wheels turning. Is there a pocket of your day? Like, are your kids young enough to where they nap? Or is there a time of day where they go to bed um, at night and you still have a little window of opportunity for yourself? Um, yeah. What look like what what are we using during those days is this really like a time issue where you don't have any or where you just feel like you're being like dragged behind the bumper of the car instead of in the driver's seat and can we help you feel a little bit more in control so we can create pockets of opportunity for you to participate in self-care um, and so what I recommend to those moms just like other moms is let's not start with where can we get big chunks for you to participate in self-care it's instead, where can we create buffers in your day? And I'm talking like 30 to 60 second buffers where it is dedicated time for you. I mean, and I know that you're probably thinking like, well, what am I supposed to do in 30 seconds? Like there are times Three. when was the last time I took a breath, right? Yeah. I used to like, I'm fortunate that my kids are in school, but I would like work, work, work until the very last minute. And then I'd be running late. And then I'd like drive like the 20 minutes to go get my kids from school to turn around and bring them home. And then I've got my kids solo. And I'm like, when did I pee last? Like, I think my bladder might burst, right? So then it's just like, can you like take a quick bathroom break? Can you drink some water? Can you ask yourself like, what do I need right now? Am I hungry? Do I need to stretch? Do I need to sit? Like mm -hmm. that doesn't take time or support, but what we're doing is we're shifting mindset to be able to include you in your day. Right? Because like yeah. as moms, especially if we're solo, it's never about us. And there's nobody yeah. to help us make it about us. So that's why I always say mindset to me is so much, or self-care is so much more of a mindset than an act. Because right. real self-care is about moving through your day while having the focus that your needs matter too. And that you can meet them even in the smallest of ways. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, well, cause like I'm, I'm by myself a lot. And so one thing I found that I like to do, and I think it depends what age your kids are, <laughs> but I like waking up before my kids, even if it's 15 minutes before, because then you get like, you're not on the defensive 
right when you wake up. Like your kids aren't awake yet. You can take time to like brush your teeth, go to the bathroom, wash your face, like do that, get your coffee ready or even make breakfast. Cause I actually like to have, like, I love breakfast. It's my favorite meal. So that's the one that I like to have like in peace by myself. So if I can get up early before them, like I, my, my day goes so much smoother than waking up and like, they're crying already. I'm tired. I haven't brushed my teeth, like that kind of thing. So I like getting up before them. And I think that like many moms would benefit from just waking up 10 to 15 minutes before. They would, I will say, and I'm so glad you brought that up. So when I work with moms on like, well, when do we start adding in self-care? I call it buffers and bookends. So the buffers, like I said, are intentional breaks. Little ones. Between tasks, right? Like even work calls. Bookends are like the morning and evening of your day. Having intention that we are bookending the day with a win. Now, I also feel way better when I wake up before my kids. I also am like a sleep diva. And if I don't sleep well, or like my daughter was up in the middle of the night because we're kind of like having a regression, whatever. 10 minutes feels like 10 hours that I could get. So while I would love to wake up earlier, I don't always do that. And that's a choice that I make, but I choose sleep, which is also self-care. With that being said, I had to create a morning routine that was doable for me even if my kids were awake, so that I still felt in control. And what has started to happen is, because it takes, you know, five out of the six steps take 30 seconds. I can do them before I even get out of bed, really. But I take a couple of minutes and I like breathe right when I wake up. I say some sort of like a positive affirmation about myself for the day. I invite the day in. So instead of like, oh God, now the baby's crying and I gotta get up and I gotta do this and that. I'm just like, great, it's Tuesday. Like I'm excited about whatever. Um, I stretch sometimes before I even get out of bed. As soon as I get up, I take a few drinks of water, sips of water, I hydrate. Um, and then at some point in the morning, I time block. That helps me feel in control of my day. But five out of those six steps are done before my feet even hit the ground. And I, I can do them if my daughter is like crying in the other room, right? Because yeah. I talk about like, She's safe. She's just pissed because she wants to get out of bed, but she's safe. She's fine. I can take 30 seconds to breathe and affirm and stretch and do those things. And just the mindset reset of like, I'm going to do this for me. My needs are going to come first right now. She's safe. I'll go get her in in the moment. It's not quite the same as waking up before your kids and having the coffee, but it's still intention to take care of you too. Yes. Yes. No, that is a good point. Yeah, yeah. Because I I do like, I do get questions actually. They're like, like, how do you get up? And I'm like, but sometimes I don't. Like sometimes I, if I had a rough night, like I do sleep in. And, but I like, I recognize that I needed that sleep. And so I'll sleep in the extra whatever. Um, And especially it depends how I feel, you know, once my alarm goes off or whatever. But (laughs) but I don't always get up, but I'm okay with it. Like I don't get mad at myself for not getting up. I'm like, no, no, I needed that extra sleep, but I will still do like my morning routine. My, and it's not the same as yours. And I probably should practice breathing (laughs) before, but yeah, at least I'm doing something like for me before I go out and get them. Cause then I feel like I'm not behind, like, you know, then it's just more things that I need to do while they're running around. So yeah, just that like sleep is a non-negotiable for me, but waking up in fight or flight to a screaming child doesn't feel good either. So we have to like address what works for us. For me, the acronym, I like acronyms that like works for my brain. So the acronym habits is my morning routine. It's hydrate, affirm, breathe, invite the day, time block, stretch. Obviously not in that order, but like every morning I take 10 seconds. I'm like, okay, habits can take a breath. What's one nice thing that I can say? And it's just making it easy and automatic for you to start the day on offense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's great because then you remember like what you need to do and it's like ingrained. So then it's just going to become something like that's automatic and you don't have to be like, okay, what was, what was the other thing I was going to (laughs) do? No, that's awesome. I like, yeah. I don't do the best self-care in the morning, but at least I get it 
get it done. But I feel like as moms, we feel that we need to earn self-care. Like we need to earn that babysitter or we need to earn, you know, going out for a pedicure or whatever. Like, why do we feel that we need to earn stuff? Whereas like, I don't want to, (laughs) men, they don't feel that. Like they don't think that they need to earn something like that. Like even just going for coffee. I love coffee. And like, that's one thing that I miss now that COVID is what it is. But like, that's one of my self-care things would be going for coffee. But yeah, I I feel like we need to earn these things. I also find it interesting that there's really no dad guilt. Yes, I know. Where is it? Those two are, which don't get me wrong. Like my husband is great. And if he if he's like asking to do something for himself, he'll make sure and he'll like be extra participatory before and after. Like he's great about it. But as like a cultural cliche, there's no dad guilt. And I feel like that mom guilt feeds into this belief that it has to be earned. Like that we only get a finite amount of opportunities to take care of ourselves. So if we're going to do it, it needs to be really special and really perfect, right? And it needs to really count. But I think that the trick, tricky thing about that is it feeds the narrative that we can't regularly meet our own needs, that we're not deserving of ongoing breaks throughout motherhood. Because the reality is like, you know, best case scenario, if you will, like for normal patterns, your kid leaves at 18 and goes to college, let's say, or whatever they're doing, potentially staying in home with you longer than that. So it's like, are we really going to like put our life on hold for 20 years? Like I just am going to ask permission to meet my own needs three times a year for the next 20 years until that kid is out of my house. Like that's insanity. And I refuse to teach my children that that's what it means to be a mom or that's what it means to be an adult. Like I have a son and a daughter they may have families at some point that is unacceptable for them to think that self-care is selfish. So I think that it's a mindset block like mom guilt. And the best thing about mindset blocks is that they're able to be broken through. They're not quick, right? Like if, if you have a 10 year old at home and you've felt mom guilt since like before he was born, we're not going to undo 10 years of patterns in 10 days but we can start challenging it and we can start creating a new narrative. And the best thing that I recommend, especially with mom guilt or this belief that it has to be earned is we spend so much time challenging the behavior. Like, well, do I really need this new dress? Should I really go to the coffee shop? Like, am I really a good mom if I choose whatever it is? But what we should be challenging is the feeling. Should I really be feeling guilty about this? Does it really make me a bad mom to take 20 minutes and like go refill my cup and sit at a coffee shop? Like I'm buying myself a new dress. I'm not slaughtering the family. Like it's the amount of pressure we put on ourselves is kind of insane. If we actually examine it over nothing, over telling ourselves like we as human beings have dedicated now large portions of our lives to meeting the needs of multiple other human beings, we are allowed to take an hour here, a day here, a week here to meet our own needs, but we feel so guilty for it. I just got really sick of challenging the behavior and started challenging the feeling and it helped offer perspective and let me realize that guilt only has power if I feed it. Yeah, yeah. I, and when you said about buying the dress, like, and having mom guilt for buying a dress. I know so many women like that who go shopping, but don't buy anything for themselves, even though they wanted stuff, they choose not to, because instead they buy something for their children, which is okay. But like, they need that pair of pants or they need, like, they actually, you know, it's not just something, oh, that would be lovely. But like, what if they need those things, but they feel like they can't have them because, you know, I have children and I should be getting stuff for the children. Like, what do you say to people in that moment who are, you know, in, in like the, in Target or whatever, wherever you are and like they want something, but then all of a sudden they feel that guilt. Like how can they work through that 
and and like actually make a decision that is not just out of guilt right well sometimes i mean sometimes the best advice is like just buy the damn pants and get yeah. them home and you can always return it right because yeah. like sometimes that feeling of just making a choice is so overwhelming but once that emotion is less intense we can think a little bit more clearly so if you can return the pants buy the pants get them home return it later um and we always have to contend with like is this really mom guilt or is this a real stress like if we're like okay. struggling then we have perspective yeah. but if yeah. this is truly mom guilt um i think sometimes it's important to see the butterfly effect of things too because i've had a lot of clients who like you like they're not going to buy the pants but then here's what's going to happen they're going to go home and they're only going to have pants that they wore from before they had children that are two sizes too small and every time they put on those pants they're going to feel terrible about themselves and they're going to beat themselves up and it's going to impact their body image now yeah. they're telling themselves all these negative things and it's now impacting how they show up for their kids and maybe they're saying these things in front of their kids or maybe later that day when their kid wants to go to the pool and play with them they don't want to take off their cover up and hop in the pool because they've spent the entire day telling themselves how big they are and how unattractive they are and then their kid misses out on that opportunity and i don't like role play these things out for the dramatics of it but because we need to understand that we need to understand why self-care isn't selfish, that there were so many opportunities for self-care in that entire path. They could have thrown away the two small pants. They could have said yes. screw it and taken off the cover up, right? They could have brain dumped their feelings so they weren't saying it aloud in front of their kids. Like we had a lot of opportunities for self-care outside of buying the pants, but a lot of it could have all been squashed in advance if they had just bought the pants. And so yeah. when we're to view it as like this could be a really radical form of self-care this could help me physically feel better mentally feel better like i am doing this for me so that i can show up differently for them well that becomes a much more difficult thing to rationalize feeling guilty about yes yeah i never thought of it that way but it's so true because it can just like spiral into all these different like emotions and then you know, scenarios, like you said, but I feel like if you put on a pair of pants or put on a dress or whatever, and you feel so good in it, like you should buy it <laughs> because like, imagine how you're going to feel when you like, and the confidence you are showing to your kids and everything, when you have that piece of clothing that makes you feel so good. Right. And like, I, I feel like that alone would outweigh like the guilt of buying it in the first place. Unless right. I mean, unless you are like financially in a bad place and, right. and that causes you more stress. But if you're okay to buy it, then freaking buy it. Your kids, you're always going to buy your kids clothes. Like, right. my daughter has more clothes than she'll wear before she grows yeah. out of them. Like, hand me downs and stuff bought. But like, I just like threw out a sweater from high school. Like, it is, yeah. we so rarely do this for ourselves. But just like we have to notice the ripple effect of not participating in self care, we have to notice the ripple effect when we do. And sometimes, yeah clients, you know, just like bad habits are created, good habits are created. And so sometimes with clients, I'm like, please trust me, just they're $15 at Target by the jeans, like just buy them and trust me. And then what they start to see is like, I wore those jeans all weekend. And I felt so good. And I normally would have not know what to wear. And I threw on this new shirt that I hadn't tried. And I was like strutting my stuff at this party. And now we notice this ripple effect of all of these shifts that help us show up as our best selves to look and feel our best which is what self-care is really about and as a result of feeling good in these jeans i actually made different food choices and i was more motivated to work out and i felt more confident and it like increased intimacy with my husband like there's so many different ripple effects that come from it and when we see that it's almost like positive reinforcement we're more likely to invest in ourselves because that's really what it is it's a small yeah. investment into ourselves in the future um and i think the more awareness is so key like the more we become aware of mom guilt as it comes up the more we become aware of like the red flags that our body and our brain is sending us saying like i need self-care the mom guilt the agitation the resentment the body image issues the anger the depletion the overwhelm like red flag red flag red flag and we start seeing like, oh, those red flags start to die down a little bit. 
once I actually start taking care of myself, we become more invested in continually taking care of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, you start being more intentional of, of doing more self-care. Right. And it's That's just like observation because now if I'm like having some body image stuff pop up or I'm super irritable with my kids or I'm like snappy at my husband, once upon a time, I would have like really beat up on myself for that. And now, or just like been more agitated. Right. Whereas now I can be like, Whoa, like that, that does not feel good. That's not like me. Like that's an indication yeah. that I'm tapping out. What can I do right now to kind of refill my cup a little bit? So that awareness helps us also take away some of the emotion so that we can better take action in a way that better serves us. And it's not selfish. I know my kids and my husband are a lot happier when I'm not losing my mind. Yes, absolutely. Well, in talking about like your partner, so if you're feeling, you know, in that moment that you need that time away or that self-care, like how, how would one, if you're, you're a woman and you're kind of afraid to, you know, ask for help or, you know, do that kind of thing with your partner or with your in-laws or whoever, like, how would you communicate that best to your partner so that they truly understand? Because sometimes I feel like my partner doesn't understand how, like, how motherhood can be overwhelming. And sometimes I do need that time away. Yeah. Like, how do you communicate that better? Ooh, it's a tricky one just because everybody's <laughs> so different, right? I yeah, mean, it's so true. Here's the one like visual that I always like to give that my husband and I established early on. And this might not work for you, but I think that it can help get the ball rolling on conversation. I feel like majority of people, if we like imagine a pyramid, majority of people take care of their kids first, right? That's mm -hmm. their top priority. Everything goes to their kids. And after that, then they try and meet the needs of their spouse and take care of their marriage. And then with anything left, which is nothing, they're like, if I've got anything left, I'll take care of myself. But what happens as a result of that is we're always depleted. And so what I always recommend is, can we like turn the pyramid on its head? Can you meet your own needs first? Because if you meet your own needs first, you're more likely to have a stronger marriage and take better care of your partner. And if your marriage is stronger, it impacts how you parent your children because you've got somebody in your corner and you feel supported and you're probably modeling the kind of marriage that you wanna model to your children. And I think one of the reasons why it's important to really let a partner know, because if you think self-care is a luxury or an indulgence or a non-essential, your partner probably does too, at no fault of his or her own, just conditioning. So if we can have conversations around, here's what I'm carrying, right? Like if we want to talk just about the mental load of motherhood, like we're playing CEO of our household, if we're working of our business or our responsibilities with work, we're not only trying to make decisions for ourselves, but like, what is my kid gonna eat? What are they gonna wear? What are they gonna do when they get home? Um, like, I always joke that when we leave the house, my husband has like his wallet and his like keys and I've got like the diaper bag and I'm like, are there enough diapers for the baby? Is is there a change of clothes for my son? Are there snacks? Are there wipes? Are there like on and on and on to where I'm the one holding us up, like finally going back to grab my purse or my sunglasses or whatever. And my yes. husband's like, he would be happy to help, but he just doesn't, it's like a, like a physiological switch when we have children that we bear the weight of it. So when I'm able to say to my husband, like, listen, it's, it's a lot. Like I'm trying to, just when we left, for example, I was trying to do X, Y, and Z. And even if we approach it from a non-accusatory place, like this isn't on you. You're great. I know that you want to help. To me, sometimes it's just the things that fall on mom or it's things I feel like I need to do. And as a result of this, I'm just feeling really impatient with the kids and I'm feeling super drained and super overwhelmed. I feel guilty all the time. And that's not how I want to show up for them. It's not how I want to show up for you. And it's not how I want to show up for myself. So this week, can we, can you help me? I need your help. I need like five minutes a day for me. Even if it's just like go in the back and take some deep breaths or wash my face, you know, or this week as we go through the week, can I ask you for help a little bit more? Like at dinner time, you know, pick examples. I need this this week. I need you to help me make plates at dinner time. I need you to help me grab the diaper bag. I need you to help me have a dedicated 15 minutes a day just for me. And I find like 99% of the time, 
partners are receptive to it. Even if we have yeah. to like enable the way that it's said to better connect with your partner. Um, and maybe that's also, can we make a joint decision that we both start meeting our own needs better so that we can better show up for everybody else by flipping the pyramid? Yeah. Yeah. I think that too many times women think that, or they expect their partners to just like do it, just grab the diaper bag, just pack the snacks, just make sure that you have like, you know, like they just think that they should help them, but we're not actually asking them. And so then we get angry and we start to resent them because they're not helping the way that we expect them to help. And I think that like causes issues, right? Within the marriage, because you're expecting somebody to do, to help you and they're not, but really they do want to, but they just need that communication from you. Right. And it, it can be frustrating. I mean, I always try and remind myself, like, he's not a mind reader, but then I'm also like, mm -hmm. but we like wash these bottles every single night. So it's not yeah. about mind every single night. Why is he asking me what we can do right now? So it is frustrating and you are allowed to be frustrated by it, but it's also then important that you deal with that frustration or you say aloud mm -hmm. like once or twice, Hey, I need you to help me wash bottles. Like I, we do it every night. Like I need help with this because to me, resentment is one step up from anger, right? And anger is a step up from frustration and frustration is a step up from annoyance. So if we can even bring the intensity down a little bit, so we're not angry, we're just annoyed, we're like better able to cope with it, right? So right. if we're just in a position where we can recognize you're not mind readers, that's why I bring up that like physiological switch that there's just something different biologically that happens to us as moms. Um, then I think sometimes, and also sometimes just knowing, like, if they really want to help, how can I, I need help. And this might, it's almost like teaching a toddler, right? Like how to get dressed. It is painful and it takes 12 years every time. And it's like, I already showed you this. Why am I showing you it again? But it's all with an effort. So then they do it automatically later. I'm not comparing my husband to my toddler, but you get it. Like it's yeah, almost yeah. I would rather do the groundwork now of like laying it all out of exactly what I need so that I'm not continually doing it on my own or laying it out for you later on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because I think that when we, like when we get let down, we tend to just like sh shut down and like some people will angry clean. I do that. <laughs> or like other people will just like go off into a different room but I just like, don't say anything. And then I'll just start, like, I just start cleaning everything. And he's like, did I, is something wrong? And I'm just like, you should know. I don't say that. But in my mind, I'm just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I know. I know. And that's <laughs> like such a good thing that we, cause I think sometimes we don't say it aloud. Like, yeah, we, like it's fine. Right. Like we don't say it aloud. We don't express it or we don't like necessarily have camaraderie with friends, especially right now with like, like motherhood is kind of lonelier than ever in a lot of ways right mm -hmm. now. And so it's hard to feel supported in that. And I think you have one of two options and both are self-care. Your option is to speak up and to say something in that moment, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's going to start a fight, because getting it out there is important. And I do believe even with fights, not that I'm an expert, my husband will tell you, but sometimes it's not what you say, but the way you say it, right? Even yeah. if it's until the intensity of your emotions, like I said, it's kind of like anger to annoyance and having a calm conversation. So you can, self-care is not always fun, right? That's a big misconception. Sometimes it's really uncomfortable. So the self-care in that option is to have the uncomfortable conversation or to recognize this just drastically drained my cup. Like I'm pissed, I'm tired, I'm tapped out. What am I going to do now to help refill it and have intention yeah. to do something for you at that moment to offset it? Yeah, again, it always goes back to like your mindset and how you can and change that. Because you can, you know, make the choice of talking to them or you can make the choice of not and continuing on the path that you're on and like making, making things a little bit harder and, you know, worse for you. Um, so then again, you have to have that intention of like doing something that's going to help make you feel better or not. <laughs> I think we always want the strategy, but what we always need is the mindset. Yes, 
well, yeah, it's the same with like nutrition. I always think that mindset is like before we start doing any of like changing your nutrition at all. It's just like too many people take mindset like, and I don't know, they just, they don't think it's as important as it, what it is, but like past conditioning and everything has led you to where you are now. So right. we have to change the mindset before we can change anything. Right. Because it's important yeah. to know that if you're deep diving into nutrition right now, the way that you eat is a form of self-care. All of it always mm -hmm. comes back to self-care. It's just if you're in a position right now where you are ready to deep dive into one form of self-care and up the ante there, or if you have to kind of take a step back and be like, whoa, I just kind of feel like I'm drowning across the board. What is one subtle thing that I can do to show up for myself? And that's the great right. thing about this journey. I have clients who start with like, I just need to figure out how to get out of bed every morning. And now we're doing like advanced nutritional protocols and we're doing more therapeutic techniques and we're building businesses and we're doing all these higher level goals. But if you're in a position where it is tough just to take a shower every day and you feel like you're failing with your nutritional protocol, you are not. You probably just need to take a step backwards and focus on meeting yourself where you are and the mindset piece and starting small and then building from there. Yes. Yes. I think that's such a good, well, I think there was way too many good things in there for me I'm to summarize. <laughs> Because, yeah, like, I mean, I don't even have words. I think that it was all just amazing. But it, just that, just saying, like, starting from small and then seeing how that one person has, like, worked their way up to all these big things. Like, she's getting out of bed now, right? right. And, like, now she's building on those things and she's thriving. But it just takes, like, that one action, that one step to get you going. Right. Yeah. And I think that if you're thinking about, or like maybe you're doing like an audit on your life right now and you think there are ways like don't wait for like the perfect time. Cause there's never going to be one. Like would, is that what you would say? Like, just start, just do it. Yeah. Well, what would sure. you say to someone? Yeah. Well, I think it's kind of like, if we want to compare it with nutrition, like we find clients are like, but I'm going on vacation this week, but I, you know, the kids will be back in school. Maybe I should wait in. And the reality is you still have to eat every single day up until then. Like, why don't, this isn't 30 pounds in 30 days of perfection. Like, why don't we go ahead and get started so you can navigate these stressful things? I had a yes. client who wanted to get started and she's like, I really want to, but you know, we have all these shifts coming up with virtual learning and I'm wondering if I should wait. And I'm like, this is actually the best time because why not build healthy habits when times are the most stressful? So if you could take care of yourself right now, when things are extra difficult, imagine how much easier it will be when things are a little bit more smooth sailing. But let's also just call a spade a spade. Motherhood is ever changing. Like if it's not this today, it's something else tomorrow. And then all that goes back to that. Are we going to wait 20 years till the conditions are right to finally show up and take care of yourself? Um, mm -hmm. It's an investment in you. And I think we as moms need to learn that when we see all of these like transformations on social media, right? The transformations like a noun, like skinny or fit mm -hmm. or happy or perfect mom, you know, like I think the transformation for us as moms is a verb. It's like a living, breathing, moving thing. It's not this finish line that we get to because motherhood and every phase looks different. It's how we show up for ourselves. It's thriving differently. It's prioritizing ourselves. It's meeting our own needs. It's no longer pushing ourselves so far to the back burner that like we aren't even on the stove anymore. It's an ongoing act that has to become adaptable through all of the phases of motherhood. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's so many. And like when your kids are younger, your self-care is going to look different than when they're older. So you're constantly like building and molding and, and you're modeling that for them, which I think is super important. Cause I think obviously we grew up and like we're told you know that kids come first and that like mom's needs are kind of like put on the back burner and now we have to change that for our kids 
so that they can, you know, thrive and they can show their kids the same thing rather than keeping this like cycle going. Cause you don't ever want to, you don't ever want to be like, I don't, a martyr. You know what I mean? Whereas like, yeah, it's like, oh, well, I didn't get to do this because I did that for you. And then it's like, you're putting guilt onto your child, but they shouldn't carry any of that, you know? So I think we have to change the way we view that to, to help our kids. Yeah. And I think that's so empowering to think about Mm -hmm. the cycle that we are in a position to break. You know, my three-year-old looked at me the other day and said, like, I just need a minute and went to his room. And it made me so proud as a mom, because like, that was a learned behavior. And, you know, he did, he, he needed a minute, right? Like it was like, we both needed him to take a minute. And I was just so excited to see that modeling of like him getting in touch with his feelings and knowing that he needed a break. And so what Mm -hmm. I always say to my moms, if we are in a position where we can't like squash mom guilt right away, that's okay. Again, like we're not going to undo 10 years and 10 minutes on a phone call, but can we just try it anyway? Like, what do we have to lose at this point, right? I mean, you're, you're surviving, like you're going to be okay if things stay as they are, but what if they could be better? What if you could be more than just okay? And if you're yeah. not willing to do it for you, can you do it for them? Because yes. what would it mean for them to have a mom who is more confident and more in control and more present and not wasting brain space on guilt and not agitated and exhausted and overwhelmed all the time. And what would it look like for your motherhood experience? Because again, we're not waiting 20 years for you to get your old you back. You're you now. So how can we help you navigate this like all consuming and all the best and worst ways journey in a way that you actually want to show up and enjoy it versus just like praying the day away so that you yes. can be done and have to do it again tomorrow. Yes, that is like, that's so powerful. Cause I think about, I think about what I would want for my daughter, like even, well, even my son, obviously he's still young, but like, I want her to see that I take care of myself too. And that's the same with working out. When she sees me working out, she's like, she wants to do it too. When she sees me eating vegetables, she wants to do it too. Like she, she says to me all the time, she's like, I eat this or I do this so that I can be strong and healthy. Like she knows and she's four. So yes. like, you know, their, their brains are just like, they take in everything. So if you're showing them that like moms are always drained, moms like don't take care of themselves. Like that's what they're going to grow up thinking is normal. And maybe like start doing that themselves when they become moms. Yeah. And it, it's important for you to know that that's not always normal. Yes. Yes. Being exhausted and drained is not this acceptable byproduct of motherhood. I have had clients where we change your diet, where we make you go get labs, where we address like the psychological components. Like, yes, there is a level of exhaustion that does come with meeting other people's needs all the time. Yours yes. should be thrown in there as well, but there is a level of exhaustion but the, the level of burnout that I see when moms come to see me and they're like, but this is motherhood. It is not motherhood. And it's not just that your kids need to know that it's not motherhood. It's that if you have thought that this is just to be expected, there could be another way for you to feel and navigate this time. Oh, yes, I totally agree. Oh, I, well, and it, it kind of like hurts my heart. I'm like, like, if you think that that's what motherhood is, that's, like, that's awful. <laughs> like, let's change that narrative. But, I mean, I appreciate the funny memes, but no wonder. Yeah, 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 those are nice. <laughs> just touch quickly on, like, um, something that you posted a while ago, and I think a lot of moms can benefit from this who probably haven't seen um, your Instagram, but it was, about decision fatigue because I think a lot of us didn't know that that's an actual real thing (laughs) so let's just tell us about that um because I think that too many people would would benefit from it decision fatigue so decision fatigue is a very real psychological phenomenon where the more the further we get into our day the more we're exhausted of making decisions right we've had to make choices all day and I think I've even seen a study where 
you know, um, like individuals who had to appear, appear before judges in a courtroom were more likely to get stricter sentences if their hearing was earlier in the day than later in the day. Because like later in the day, the judges are like tired of making choices. Very interesting stuff. So yes. we as humans experience decision fatigue when we don't have children. But when we're moms, it's often even more enhanced because we're not just making decisions for ourselves. It's also, it's not just like, what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? It's what are they going to wear? What are they going to eat? And depending on how many kids you have, like I have two. So I'm making those choices like triple time every single day. Um, so it is to be expected that the further we get into our day, the more exhausted we're going to be. And when we hit a bit of a breaking point with decision fatigue, one of two things is going to happen because we're not going to want to make choices anymore. So we're more likely to either give into temptation. So if you find you're mindlessly eating, if you're grabbing mm -hmm. snacks as you walk by, if you're impulse spending, right? Like some of those quote unquote self-sabotaging behaviors are more likely to happen because you're exhausted. Um, or we're more likely to not make a decision at all. I don't know, order takeout, I don't really care. I don't know, mm -hmm. watch whatever you wanna watch, play whatever you wanna play, I don't care because you no longer wanna make choices. So I think it's really important, especially from a self-care perspective that we recognize we're gonna be really exhausted towards the end of the day. What can we do proactively to set us up to not have to make choices later in the day as much as possible? How can we ask our partners for more help? If I poll moms 99% of the time, if I'm like, what portion of your day is the biggest train wreck? It's like dinner time, bath time, bedtime. And part of that is because like your kids are exhausted too and they're just dumping on you. But I really think decision fatigue plays a large role in this. So I always think it's important to do buffers a little bit like around that time just for a little intentional self-care for you. Plan as best you can and prep as best you can so big decisions are made earlier in the day and you have a lighter plate, if you will, later in the day of less decisions to make. And then can we bookend our day with some sort of a win, some sort of a self-care strategy so that if things did go awry during that time when you were exhausted, you don't feel like, well, that was a mess and then you're collapsing into bed and then waking yeah. up no, you're more like, well, that was a mess. So I'm going to do something now. So I feel good and in control and have a win. And I can go to bed feeling accomplished and not wake up beating myself up to a sink full of dirty dishes and starting the day off on a bad foot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. Cause I, especially this was at the beginning of COVID and you were like, you posted this thing and I about decision fatigue. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> didn't think that that was a thing but it is and you're making so many decisions throughout the day that it's like exhausting and then when your partner comes home and they're like well what are we gonna have for dinner and I'm it's just like I don't know I don't want to I don't want to choose anymore right so yeah then you do you will get you know you'll eat out or whatever but it's just like whereas if you set yourself up or maybe you know in the morning you decide okay I'm gonna take this out for supper then you don't have to make that decision at 4:30 when your kids are screaming at you and like when you know your husband is home and everyone's hungry. So I loved that post and that's why I wanted to talk about it because I think so many people don't even know that it's a real thing. Yeah. After and they share, just like yeah. Yeah, yeah, do it cuz yeah, it's really good and I mean it was back in the beginning of when yeah. COVID kind of came about and people were having to make so many decisions. So I'm, I'm grateful for that post. <laughs> I'm so glad it resonated. And sometimes that does give that like little like aha moment of yeah. here's why I feel so drained. It's not just me failing at the end of the day, because I think yeah. we're so inclined to tell ourselves that. And here are some strategies that I can do to make less decisions, to feel a little bit more prepared, but also, okay, now I'm identifying key times of the day where I'm particularly drained and exhausted what can I do to recharge and reset and take care of myself a yes. little bit more? Yes. Yes. Especially when you see other people like, yeah. um, like other moms, you think they have it all together. Cause like they've got supper on and like, they're doing all this stuff and you're like, okay, now I definitely feel like a failure. Right. Right. Which and, none but, of us have. <laughs> but maybe they do feel that way, but 
they at that moment like they already planned supper you know what I mean so yeah I just we get into like that comparison trap that you kind of talked about before and I think yeah it's too it's bad but we have to like recognize that that what we're that's what we're doing and try to like you know switch that mindset right well and I think that that also leads to one of my like favorite unconventional self-care strategies which is get off social media yeah Don't yeah this time it's time sc- scrolling and comparing yeah well, thank you for everything. Like, I don't want to take up more of your time because we've been chatting for a while, but tell everyone where they can find you. And then I'm going to post this into your, into the Facebook group. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And I'll stick around in the Facebook group. Oh, yeah. A little bit too, so if anybody's got questions, um, mm-hmm. I do have a Facebook page. I'm not as great about it, but it's happy belly coaching, but you can mostly find me on Instagram. I try and post content free content, like if not daily, pretty close. And that handle is at Jess Durando, D-U-R-A-N-D-O. I also have a free blog on my website. That's happybellycoaching.com. And I've got a couple of really good freebies up right now. One is specifically for like the pregnant and postpartum mom. And then one is called the mini mama manual. And that's for all moms who are just wanting some practical strategies to add self-care in. That's where I like deep dive into my habits, morning routine, and a couple of other easy strategies strategies um perfect and yeah and then I also have a podcast called listen mama so that's a good place with Christy Campbell who's great and we talk motherhood and real life and all different issues that are going on too yeah yeah and it's great (laughs) I love it all but thank you so much I really appreciate it it was so fun yeah I'm glad I got to talk to you finally (laughs) okay don't hesitate to reach out